Oh. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Hey. Hey. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome y'all don't know what we're laughing at, but we'll tell y'all one day. Oh, the Brothers of Legacy. We appreciate you guys. And yes, sir. Thank yeah. you guys for rocking and hanging with us. Um, we got a good show today. Um, for sure. There we go. Give me some more energy, though. You about to kill me. Give, give, uh, give me some energy, bro. Energy. Yeah, I ain't got that right now. I ain't got I that right now. <laughs> Not right now. We just where we at. We just where we at. Um, this is where we at, bro. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys rocking with us. Um, we have a special guest rocking with us today, yes, and he is in the building, waiting in the wings. Um, yes, so yes, we're gonna jump into it. We're talking about finances. Lisa in the building. Great morning to you. Appreciate hey. you. It's your opportunity to share. Sharing is caring. Um, we are discussing money, 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 mm. um, investing, long-term wealth. Um, so we're going to really dig into it. And we have the man with the plan. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to come right back and we have my brother from another mother, mm. okay. uh, Derek D. Coffee. The D stands oh, for dynamic. Defying. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes, indeed. Let's see. Hold on one second. Hey, Mama McCoy. Great morning to you. All right. So, so we'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is your opportunity. Share, share, tag, share, and tag. All right. We're back. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by StreamYard. Whether you're trying to up your production or just go live, StreamYard is the place to be. Go to BIT. Dot ly forward slash streamyard bol. This episode is also brought to you by Flocknote. Start your free text community now at bit.ly free text now. That's bit.ly free text now. Boom! Hey guys, good morning. Yes, good morning, Derek in the building. Hey, Will, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Hey. Pleasure to see it. I got foiled a little bit by the time difference. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's 8 o'clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, oh, like it's like a reunion of sorts. I mean, right. you know. It's a family affair. All right. <laughs> oh, you. man. You know, uh, Willette, I sure did forget to send out that notice this morning. I got so daggone distracted. Um, thanks for mm. reminding me. I'm going to send that out. Um, so today... We are discussing investments and and stocks and all that, and then some um, with a qualified specialist because you know we don't sit here try to talk about stuff we don't know totally about. Uh, Mr. Derek D. Coffee is a CFA portfolio specialist, and he's going to break down in layman's terms exactly what that means and who he is and what he does. Um, and then we're going to dig into some questions. So, Mr. Derek, what is what is a CFA? portfolio specialist okay so there's two things um <laughs> issue when you're when you're in the financial services industry particularly on the investment side of designations and so yeah. the cfa stands for charter financials analysts it's basically you got to pass three pretty very challenging exams and then you get to put the three letters behind your name it's like being a cpa but, but financial okay. services. it's almost like getting your taking the bar exam 
Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Standard. And it kind of has some standards for ethics and things. And so when people see that, they have a message that, okay, I'm a professional that has a code of ethics and have been trained in portfolio management. Um, in terms of what I do, I mean, my role um, at Channing Capital, so we're a small and mid-cap manager. We've got about $3 billion in assets. Um, we have really two big funds. We're actually going to be launching a public fund at some point. Um, but one of the things I think is worth highlighting is my job is, one, I cover the energy sector for direct investments. But I also go and I do a lot of the client speaking, risk management. So a lot of the stuff when I'm going in front of, of clients, when I'm doing kind of conversations like this, I'm the I'm the kind of the face of that. So um, it allows me to kind of provide some insight on what the market and provide some insight on just how we invest our portfolio and how we sort of exploit the market. So that's sort of in a nutshell. So cool. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so before we go any further, AD, yeah, go ahead. We just we just explaining his job, his title, what he does. Uh, the first thing he said was, "We are a small." <laughs> I need to go point that out. Said, <laughs> well, we've got about three billion assets. I mean, what? I, I, I don't see. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and, and it's a vibe well. Like, wait a minute, I'm that small. That's nowhere near being small. But, <laughs> don't mind me. It's small. Okay, it's small. Well, it's one small. of the things to highlight: we're all we're African American owned. There you go. Okay, and I remember that. I I wasn't sure if we still were, so yeah, yeah. you didn't say it. I was yeah, like, huh? I think hopefully he still is because I don't want to put it out there. Yeah. So. If you didn't, if you missed that, yes, he is. They are African American owned. That's what's up. So, no. um, and you're looking at one of the owners now. So. Oh, damn! Were you an owner the last time we spoke, Mister Cop? It was on its way, but now I am. <laughs> oh, it's official. It's official. Just in, so case you, guys, just in case you guys don't know, uh, me and AD used to have a podcast called The Brothers Who Talk. We should put that back. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, we interviewed uh, Mister Coffee sometime last year. I think it was like October last year. So. So, this is a family reunion. Yes, indeed. Um, so let's go and put that right there. Boom. So my people got the text. All right, let's get into this. All right. So my first uh question, and you guys, of course, you know it's always interaction. If you got any questions, if you want to expound on anything, if you don't understand anything, just of course put it in the comments. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. Um, all right. So. Let me let me dig into my, my my second question. I got my first one. So, how do institutional investors feel about cryptocurrency? No, that's a fantastic question. And so, let's go through a little bit of history of uh, Bitcoin okay. and all the other ones that we've heard about. Right. Um, remember the first bubble, right around 2018. There were a lot of retail investors actively involved in investing in it, and Bitcoin fell to a huge price, and then it quickly collapsed. The pure right. bubble. Um, now, what's different is that the market has now, again, risen back and exceeded that price that we saw back in 2018. Right. Now, and that's because it has been heavily more legitimized by corporations and investors on right. um, the medium of exchange and a store of value. Okay. And when you take a look at Bitcoin, for example, JP Morgan just announced yesterday that they were going to be allowing a medium for storing value for their high net worth investors in Bitcoin. You hear Tesla, instead of investing their their their, their in their hey, coach. cash in the balance sheet, they're putting Bitcoin as a, another sort of element of their current assets on the balance sheet. And so it's been heavily much by investors. And so it is a store of value. It's almost competing with gold as that medium of exchange. And why is it unique? It's unique okay. about it. Most currencies are controlled by a government and a central bank, right? right. And that. Mm-hmm. That's how they influence interest rate policy. 
difference here is that a lot of the central banks don't have control of these cryptocurrencies, but they're definitely going to get control because they can see the viability of the medium of exchange and it being embraced by much more established investors. So there's a lot of legitimacy there. And so for you as an investor, there's a portfolio for it. Okay. I'm not saying it's a large portion, but I say it's a decent portion. Okay. And I, you know, you know, at least, you know, 1% or so. And why do I say that? It's because it's kind of like the railroad industry. I think I talked about this once before or something like the internet. You have so many different mediums of exchange. You know the industry is going to be viable. You don't know who's the winner. Right sure. now, it's the early winner. Right. Eventually, you know, you know, someone might overtake that, but you know the overall story is it. I'd say definitely invest in, in, in Bitcoin. It definitely has a place in your portfolio. And by far now, it's far more further embraced. And last, last point I'll make, and then I'll stop. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. The, you probably saw the IPO of Coinbase. Right. Which exchange for cryptocurrency. So that's right. another legitimization of this medium of exchange and store value. Again, gotcha. the last step is government, central right. banks getting involved because there's the most important thing they want. They want to be able to tax the transactions and monitor the transactions. Right. This is different from what we saw in 2018. So it's, I would embrace it and understand it and try to play it a little bit. Wow. That, so if, if you don't realize, that's like that's powerful because prior to that, that crash and, and the growth again, pretty much when you mentioned crypto, most of like, you know, institutional investors, people that invest, they're like, eh, I don't know anything about this thing. You know, like everyone's like, eh, I don't know if I'm a fool. With it. it is. It seems like a one-off, you know. Yeah. No idea where it's going. Right. It seems like, you know, because I remember, and I'm sure all of us of a certain age, not even, you know, you have to be that old, but I remember when crypto or, or Bitcoin was at $100. Mm-hmm. I remember, <laughs> you know, we looked at it like, eh, I don't know. You know, most looking like, oh, I should have got in on that. You know, so, but you had no idea. There was no, nothing back, really backing it. We didn't, you know, most of us didn't really know about mm-hmm. blockchain, you know, that the mm-hmm. system which crypto was run on, ran on. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. just like, I don't know, this seems like a flash in the in the pan, just a, a hype and it's going away. Um, but with institutions backing it, you know, like JP Morgan and things of that nature, you know, they try they're they're legitimizing, you know, mm-hmm. they're legitimizing it. That's 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 awesome. That's awesome. So so what does it cost to get into Bitcoin now? Oh, I mean, you don't have to buy like a one Bitcoin is like what sixty five thousand bucks, but right. that way you can actually buy a percentage of it or slices. And you can buy it on mediums that are very easy. I mean, you can buy it on uh, what's that Cash App, which I wouldn't get, yeah. right, but that's right. one way to get it. Um, you can buy it on you know, Robinhood. You can buy it right. even at Schwab or any of your brokerage platforms. Yeah, it's really easy to get access to it, and now it's an investable asset. So right, it's, it's totally fine. And I was one last point I'd make on this. Yeah. I'm actually far more excited about blockchain as a viable platform across multiple industries than I am about the Bitcoin. That's just the platform that it was born on. Right. It has much more universal application. Right. In, in the financial system and in the healthcare, healthcare system. So it's right. bigger than you think. It's just the, we're at the rudimentary part of it. Right. Yes, indeed. Because blockchain is a, is a huge thing. It's a a better way to communicate and for things to be for ledgers, yeah, to be exactly. consistent and information exactly. to be the same. Yeah, that's 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 a whole nother conversation we can dig into. Um, but <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's let's keep right here. Uh, let's see. So, um, let's see. Oh, I didn't put that last question. All right. So, what's going on with the housing market? Um, 
and how long will it last? I don't think that, is this is this a bubble or do you mm. feel like this is a legitimate spike um, or just something that's just going to be the new norm um, for the price and pricing the housing market? Okay, I would argue that it's the confluence of three things sort of coming together and creating this trend. The first of which is let's just talk about the pandemic. Okay, um, pandemic um, caused an economic collapse, right? And ultimately, uh, before the pandemic, interest rates were expected to rise. Right, economy collapsed, um, particularly because of lower consumer behavior and obviously the need to contain um, the Federal Reserve reduced rates at remarkably low levels. Right. So that sort of created one element of catalyst, at least for refinancing. Right. So the pandemic also caused people to think about living outside the city. And so if you have interest rates and you are of enough economic well-being and disposable income, that you can purchase a home. Right. You went and did it. Number three, as rates are low and the economy is becoming more viable, people have more money and more confidence. Right. Out and spend money and buy homes. And so you're seeing that sort of translate into a better housing market fueled by lower interest rates. And now you have consumer demand. So consumer demand, low interest rates, and some pandemic uh, sort of issues kind of coalesce to create a much more robust housing market that I think has some fuel as long as interest rates remain low levels. And they're really low compared to historical levels. I think rates will go up a Bit, but when you think about it on a marginal basis, it's still low compared to say 10, 15 years ago. Um, and you can kind of see it in certain stocks that really reflect the housing market. So some of the home buildings, right. like um, some of the companies that provide a lot of the wood and things for, for shelving, like Warheiser, um, or something like um, uh, Louisiana Pacific. All these stocks have kind of responded in concert with the progressiveness of the housing market and housing prices going up. And you can sign see refinancing were going up. So it's all think a function of this full trend. Right. It's the question is who's benefiting from it. And I think that's the bigger question. And that is only a certain select people who weren't as impacted by the pandemic. Workers in sort of service industries where they saw a lot of um, really kind of direct reaches to consumer. So think about leisure, quality, you know, entertainment. Because they are probably a little bit more challenged, but people in financial services and some of the other industries have been kind of pretty well off. People who do a lot of white collar work have still managed to maintain their jobs and they go and buy these homes. So that's kind of what's fueling a lot of this. So I think it will last for a little bit. But again, for the, 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 the problems are always inherent in the solution. So low interest rates also do create you know, more speculation in the marketplace, and eventually that will have to be pulled back. And that's when you'll see the Fed start tightening up monetary policy to kind of control that. Although uh, Ben Powell's been very clear that he's going to keep rates relatively low for the foreseeable future because he wants to sort of extend the recovery and make it as robust as possible. So that's uh, generally a long-winded answer to a very simple question. <laughs> Will, I have a great question. <laughs> oh, so, so Will, it says... Uh... So let's say someone came into five hundred thousand dollars, a ton of money, but want uh, investment accounts. Would you? What, uh, what would you recommend? No, see, that's a very uh, complex question. Well, I'll tell you why that's important. So you have five hundred thousand dollars in disposable income. The question I would ask as an investor is, um, who are you? What's your time horizon? What's your ability to you know invest? Obviously, you have five hundred thousand in liquid cash, so you do. What's your risk tolerance? How much can you take 
in terms of volatility in the marketplace. Right. If I understood those basic things, I try to tell you to, and, and then obviously what your goals are. I would try to get, guide you to where you want to be. So let's just give a scenario for someone that I think is just a, a, a more normal person. Let's say they want to make a little bit of money. They want to save for college. They want to, um, they want to, you know, have a little bit more for retirement, and they want some disposable income for whatever they need. And in addition to that, you know, just, 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 just have cash. So I would say, okay, let's take the portfolio that you have. What's your, what's your return that you need to sort of live on? Right. And I would say, okay, why don't you put, you know, say six, seventy percent, depending on your age, right, and your time horizon in equity. Um, if you want some income, I'd say, you know, probably take 10 to 15 percent and put that in fixed income. Right. I'd probably put another 5 percent in just liquid cash. And then I'd say take the other remaining portion. And I have, I have to get my numbers right. I said 70. I said 10 percent. I said 5 percent. Uh-huh. Um, so the remaining portion, right, take that cash. And you can actually be a little bit more speculative with that because that's the lower part of the portfolio that I think you could take some, take some, take a little bit more risk. So you think about going into cryptocurrency. You can think about investing in real estate. You can think about investing in some of the alternative strategies that are available to you. But it's not a ton of money. So the goal is to try to make sure you maintain principal and generate income off that principal and grow. And understand what your needs for consuming it are. So we really, this question really is informed by who you are as a, as a person, how old you are, what your needs are. Do you have to pay for college? Are you right. retirement? Um, are you planning on buying a car or a house? But all those things will what kind of risk you take with that money. But I was just kind of giving just a basic scenario of what I would do if I were in that situation of a run of the mill person. Nice. Can I can I give a follow up to that? So what if what if um I have a house, I have a car, I have a family, and I don't have five hundred thousand dollars, but I got two hundred dollars every month of disposable cash. Where where should I start? Um, if I didn't grow up in a place where financial responsibility or fiscal responsibility was something that was um, apparent in, in the household, um, I'm learning all of this and I've worked myself to a place of freedom where now I can start to invest in me. So each month I have roughly $200 extra mm-hmm. after all of my bills and all of the food mm-hmm. and every necessity is taken care of. What, what, what should I look or what uh, what are a few options for me trying to um, start investing? That's a fantastic question. It has so many different platforms. And so um, one of the platforms I utilize for kind of investing like that, um, you can use, because it's 200 bucks and you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket in one particular stock. The vehicles I would consider using would be exchange-traded funds, ETFs, mm-hmm. and they're one on indices. Um, and all I would think about mutual funds. And in all those, well, particularly with the mutual funds, you have this setup where you can have the money kind of come in on a regular basis to invest and it spreads it across the portfolio. And so I would argue that a mutual fund for an investor like you, that's, you know, 200 bucks a month is actually pretty good because compounding is your best friend. You can get it spread across the portfolio in an, in an investment program. Now with an ETF, you can get the same exposure, but it allows you to trade it like a stock. Um, but again, you're investing across a basket of securities that diversifies your risk. And so if you want to, let's say you wanted to invest in the uh, S&P 500, you could buy the Barclays S&P 500 um, ETF and have that full exposure. By the same virtue, you could also buy the small cap portfolio and then the Russell, the Russell 2000. And then you could also buy the mid cap portfolio. And that way you invested $200 in each of those. That's 800 bucks across a broad market exposure. One of them throws out 
dividends, one of them throws out, you know, gives you exposure to different market environments. You kind of have a very diverse portfolio for a very cheap price. So ETFs allow you to do that, and probably mutual funds allow you to do that. And now, what, what is the acronym ETF? Exchange Traded Fund. Exchange Traded Fund. Mm-hmm. So it's like a basket of securities, but it trades like a stock. Whereas a mutual fund, it doesn't trade like a stock. It trades at the end of the day, but it's, a, it's invested across a broad array of stocks in the same way. The goal is that this is this allows you for a low about it, for a little bit of money to diversify your assets. Gotcha. Nice. All right. Anybody has another question? Hey, By the way, you, can in, you can invest in the mutual fund if you have a Schwab account for as little as a hundred bucks. Nice. Hmm. Interesting. Look at that. Yeah. Um. Just a quick reset. You guys. Are, is it, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was doing a quick reset, but um, uh, this you listed the brothers of legacy, brothers of legacy, uh, where we don't stand out, we stand up. We have our brother from another mother, Derek D. Coffee in the building, busting out some financial advice. So my podcast people, thank you for rocking with us in the building. If you don't know, we have Dwayne Goodson to my right, left on the same level. We got my brother Terry Little, and right below me is Pastor Brian McCory. Um, and we are discussing money, finance, stocks, and all that, and then some. Um, so, and Pastor, so Pastor, you wanted to add something? Well, first, it's it's hard to come in and ask off the back end of something that had already kicked off. <laughs> I apologize for being late. You know, life is. Um, but I heard you talking about uh, mutual funds, and uh, my my understanding, you know, I would consider those total return funds, right? Uh, mutual funds for long term investments. Correct. So that's so I've, I've I've often been told you have to have a a mixture of total return versus uh, emerging growth, which is a little bit more aggressive. And I was wondering if that's what you meant by the ETFs, those exchange traded funds. Is that kind of a, a more aggressive type investment that trades like on Wall Street? Or like so, so let me, those are fantastic questions. So let me break this down. Um, what you're describing are investment stocks we want to mix together to create a diversified portfolio. And mm-hmm. in, in both vehicles, ETF and mutual funds, you can have that exposure. So generally, investors think about three sort of different paradigms of asset classes you want to mix together. And again, you can do this across all the vehicles. Um, let's talk about what the mutual fund is. So mutual fund is what you call a collective fund, a pooled investment vehicle where you can invest your money along with other investors. And there's a portfolio manager that, that has an investment style that invests across an array of stocks and runs a portfolio. There are managers that run large cap value. There are managers that run small cap value. There are managers that run um, large cap growth, all cap growth, um, and the aggressiveness across, across the spectrum. And so it would be upon you as an investor to try to mix and match those stocks that will get the risk appetite that you like. And in the same thing, you can do that with ETFs or exchange traded funds. So what's the difference? An exchange-traded fund is also a uh, pooled investment vehicle, but it's just different because it trades like a stock. So whereas, whereas in a mutual fund, you can only, you can when you buy it, you can buy and sell it in the marketplace very easily. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. With, 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 a, with the mutual fund, you buy it, you can't buy and sell it in the market very easily. You kind of, but an ETF, you can do that, and that still gives you the ability to do more with it. And that's why it's a little bit more risky because it actually trades like a stock and has the attributes yeah. of a stock. But in the same vein, you can get the diversification in it because there are ETFs that mimic large cap growth. There are ETFs that mimic fixed income. There are ETFs that also adhere to, to, to more conservative style of investing. There are ones that are called conservative beta dividend income ETFs. 
Nice. You need to match those in the same way you do the mutual mutual funds. So the way what you're what you're describing though is ultimately diversification across investment styles and market capitalization and and it's just asset classes, which I think is essential whether you're using ETFs or mutual funds. I hope that sort of answers your question. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you have the flexibility with an ETF to kind of treat it like a, a mutual fund because right. you can be you can. aggressive or you can be uh, conservative within the ETF can. within the market. You okay. Can. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that you can trade it like a stock. You can even short it if you wanted to bet against right. it. Nice. Whereas a mutual fund is more like a uh, like a bond uh, that matures over time, but it's a slower yield over time. But it's a more stable return. It's it can be, but there are mutual funds that are highly aggressive growth where right. it, it's not that nothing. It can right. be a, you can buy a mutual fund that is as aggressive as ever, but the difference is that the liquidity of it. It's not as liquid as it's liquid in the sense that you can get your cash, but it doesn't trade like a stock. Okay. It trades every day, but it has the same aggressiveness. You see a return pattern that would be extremely aggressive in, in, a, in a large cap growth mutual fund. That's that's focused so, on so the highest. Unlike, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut mm-hmm. you off. I, I want to catch you before you go, get too far. Unlike what you get like in a in a combined 401k match, like with an employer or something like that, in this regard, if you're doing it, uh, yourself, there's no vested period. That's correct. Uh, okay. That's correct. Right. That's correct. I mean, only with some mutual funds, and this kind of goes down the rabbit hole a little bit, you can have um, certain redemption requirements, right? So let's say you invest in a mutual fund and you wanted to redeem your money in within a day, there's a penalty for that. Right. You know, or, you know, if you did it with us in 30 days, it might be a sales you know, charge you have to pay, um, but you'll be able to get your money out. Right. Um, yeah. ETFs ne- don't necessarily have that. You know what I mean? So it's just, that's the difference. But again, you can get the same level of risk appetite investing in a mutual fund relative to an ETF. It's just okay. the liquidity and how it trades are different. That's the best way to describe it. Gotcha. So okay. is, it, is, is it safe to, to assume, and I hate using that word, is it safe to assume when you're talking um, mutual funds, these are this is cash or money that you have for investment that you you want to sit and not necessarily take it out because of penalties but with the um etfs those those that money is money that you can put in pull out take it here pull out without any um penalties that's correct the etf it trades like a stock so you can buy and sell a stock the same way you can buy and sell an etf although as a true investor i'd, I'd, I'd not recommend that because all you're doing is turning over your portfolio and not really generating any value but sometimes there's a short-term trade that you want to take advantage of. I mean, think about GameStop, for example. You know, there might have been ETFs that own a lot of those kind of companies that you wanted to, you saw the trade and you wanted to short it. You could have shorted the ETF for a couple of days. So fun to your point, it's much, you can't do that. You're not short it. You buy it as a long-term investor, you hold it, and you kind of monitor the performance. And you're not able to kind of trade it like a stock. So you must much most certainly, in terms of, your long-term objectives of mutual funds are about a stable investor that you're a style that you're in, in that you're buying for a long-term objective. Whereas an ETF can be used that way, but most of the time I recommend you know developing a diversified portfolio. But again, you can play certain short-term themes. That's why you that's why it's a vehicle that you can you're allowed to do this in because sometimes there's an opportunity and they can exploit. It's you know nothing wrong with that. That's part of yeah, the market. You know <laughs> if you're if you're not used to operating in that capacity you're, you're playing financial roulette 
Absolutely. Right? Uh, because if you can't read profit profit and earnings ratios or anything like that, then you, I mean, it's you, you, you're fooling yourself, right? Because at that point, it's just you, you're shooting craps because you don't you have no idea how to read the market, and unless you have that guidance, it's it's just you you may as well be in Vegas. You're absolutely right. What the market gives, the market can take back, and, oh, yeah. and sometimes you're lucky. <laughs> so for so, so for investment um, illiterate person like myself, right. how do you take what you two just said and make that layman's term where right. the typical person who has no experience right. with Enough. portfolios and diversifying funds and um, make it make sense for us? So there are two ways to play this. Um, if you're a new investor and you're not really used to doing this yourself, I would probably say make a final with one of the brokerage houses and meet with a financial advisor. Right. Have them talk to you about what your risk tolerance is. Tell them what your goal, what's your age, what are your you know children, wife, retirement plan, and then have them they'll they'll do that and they'll construct a portfolio for you that reflects your, your risk tolerance and your, right. your ability to invest along with your time horizon. Right. Um, I think that's the best way to do it. I mean, doing it by yourself. You, it's fine, but you can put yourself at a lot of um, potential risk if you take more risk than you're sort of able to handle. Right. It requires some thought, and it really does require you to dig down into who you are as an investor and how willing you are to take risk. And most of us, you know, we have wives. If I go and I go buy some something crazy and it's, you know, I put $10,000 into an investment and it, it turns out to be 5000 and my wife looks at the statement, that's a long conversation that I don't want to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Right. Oh. So most of us have some limits on how we can go because, again, we we we, don't, we you know in my family, I'm the investor, I'm the manager of fund, but guess who's the client? <laughs> right. You know? Right. Uh, so so basically, some of the things he kind of broke down, um, just to, for clarity, because sometimes we get into the weeds and you're just like, all right, I'm lost, I'm out of here. So with with investing, it's it's having an agenda, right? It's about time your risk tolerance, like he mentioned, um, and what's your goals with your, the money that you're investing. Um, so that, that time span, how long you're trying to invest, what are you trying to get into? And like he said, you know, the higher risk uh, investments, you know, can get you greater returns, but it can also lose you a lot of money, you know, in the short term sense. And what's your risk tolerance? Like you said, you put in, you know, are it, a lot of what I've heard a lot of times, and I'm pretty sure he'll reiterate you know, you have to be don't don't put in what you're not willing to risk um, right. because anything can happen at any point And you don't want to go for that money looking for it to be a rent payer when you put it in for an investment, you know, and there's no there's no guarantee in anything, um, no matter what anybody says. Like, yes, it's going up, <laughs> but it may not. You know, housing housing used to be the, the number one guarantee. And we saw that in, in a flash, <laughs> everyone, everyone's investment dropped. Oh, um, and then, you know, what's your goals? What are you using it for? Retirement, um, growth, business investments and things of that nature. Um, so I want to ask you about. Um, I had the word in my head, but like um, income driven stocks, mm-hmm. I think that's the proper term income driven stocks. Um, do you do you recommend that as far as using them as income driven, like putting enough in, like, say I have the five hundred thousand because. I was sitting there thinking about, say I have the 500,000 and I want a, a bigger return on my stock, you know, more of a shorter money coming in, like not instant, but <laughs> instant, you know, I need 
every quarter I need some mm-hmm. some dough coming back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, would you recommend those income driven stocks at that at that level? You know, to to bring in income with the investments that you make. Absolutely. I mean, dividend income strategies and income oriented strategies are been a linchpin of investing for, you know, forever. Um, it's an important part of your portfolio. Now, again, the focus on income really is something that you typically find more in more seasoned investors that kind of aren't focused on the big money and market appreciation, you know, just going up in the stock price. Income investors are typically, um, going to be a little bit older and more long in the tooth and kind of understand the need for, you know, why that income matters. Now, here's how I use it in my portfolio. Um, I have a balance in my portfolio of kind of the aggressive stocks, but I also have um, income-oriented stocks. Now, what do I do with those? What I love about income, and I love I love income, and I love stock, stock buybacks and all these things, because that gives me capital to use to deploy to where I find the best risk reward. So my income-oriented companies are typically the most stable um, and but you got to be careful. The higher the dividend, the higher the dividend yield, the dividend is going to get cut. Gotcha. Meaning a dividend yield that's really high is a function of the stock price being way, way down, right. and the company having a pretty high payout. The stock okay. price is way, way down. That's potentially a distress signal, meaning right. that the company might be having an issue. And right, they and they need the cash influx. Exactly. But then yeah. there are plenty of companies for which the market is overly pessimistic, and right. therefore yields a very high dividend yield. A gotcha. good example of a company that I own that is, generates a pretty good dividend yield, but the market is so pessimistic on the stock. I own Gilead Sciences, which is a company that does a lot of um, work in sort of HIV, HIV AIDS, um, virus. They probably, you probably know them for the remdesivir um, drug that was used for, for COVID. Um, the, the big thing that they did was they actually created a drug that basically cured hepatitis B. Now, the stock shot to the moon with hepatitis um, but now that they peered it, the stock is down and people are worried about what the next thing is. But it yields a 3.4% dividend yield. I can plug that into my portfolio, spit that cash out, and it serves a purpose because I spit that, it spits that cash out and I can redeploy it to where I need it to go. Same vein, I own a, 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 what you call a master limited partnership, or you can own an ETF of master limited partnerships. The one I own is AMLP. Um, it has like a 7% dividend yield. Um, what that is, is those are the pipelines that sort of distribute a lot of the oil and gas. It's called like it's called like the toll road. But you, when, you, when you pump oil and gas out, you got to get it to where it can be collected and shipped out. And that, right. those pipelines have a charge. But those they also have a, they're pretty big cash generators. So I use those vehicles to generate the cash to invest. Another one, Kraft Heinz in the consumer staples industry. Another name that I own that, again, has a pretty rich dividend yield in a pretty stable industry. And... It, it allows me to run, deploy my cash to levels where I can find better risk reward. So I'm recycling the capital and I can do Okay. Wait, funds on. hold on. All right. Hold on. Cause you're busting out names and stuff and I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> I, want, I want everybody to get it. And I apologize. I got a lot going on in my background. Look, money, um, money people talk fast. If you know. <laughs> so I am sorry. Yeah, no, I'm no, sorry. you're good. You're good. So, oh. so, so what you're saying is time is money. So you right. got to you hey. hey. know your worth, man. Know your worth. That's why I don't watch cars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yes, indeed. You know, I, I know everyone's looking like, man, I need some short term money. I need some cash flow. I need to put in and see I can get some return on because I'm with you because a lot of times, you know, we hear the long term investor like, man, I, I don't I don't have I don't want long term right now. I need to put in, get something. And then I'll I'll think long term, but I need 
some kind of flow, some kind of residual, something, even mm-hmm. if it's two dollars in my account. Like I just I need to see something, you know. Um, so you said Gilead scientists and I just pulled it up. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's what I was trying to get. G-I-L-D. So, you know that I'm going to put those in the comments um, so you guys can know uh, some of the places. But you, you still have to be careful with that, though. Right? Yes. And do you, you research. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Because it's not like, you know, what well, you mentioned that. So I'm going to jump in there with a thousand dollars and hopefully right. by next week I got twenty five hundred. No, that's right. right. That's not what this is. Now, that could happen, but that's not what this is. Yes, uh, that's absolutely right. And it's funny, you, you, what, you, what you're catching on to is that if you mentioned, I've mentioned three different stocks in three different industries. Right. Why did mm-hmm. I do that? That all generate high dividend yield. I mentioned right. Kraft Heinz, I mentioned AMLP, which is uh, the Alarian MLP fund, and then I mentioned Gilead. That's healthcare, energy, and that's consumer staples. Three different sectors that are directly uncorrelated with each other that all have the one attribute that I like, and that's dividend yield. Yeah. Again, yeah. you don't have to do this in individual stocks. You can do ETFs. You don't have to. You don't have to take on that risk. Or you can buy an income-oriented mutual that does exactly the same thing. Like one one mutual fund I own is the Miller Income uh, Mutual Fund. I don't have the ticker, but that generates you know about four or five percent yield. So you understand, you don't have to do this with individual stocks. You don't have to take on individual stock risk. Diversification is the key, and I think that's a very important, germane point that I want to make sure I hit home. But I'll, you also have to recognize that this takes time. This takes effort. This takes research. This is what you do. This is who you are. So uh, hearing all of this and then you go out and, and I'm, I have to say this because, you know, there there might be somebody listening that goes and jumps on what you're talking about right now. And and they don't do it right or they've, they've got too much of an expectation and your name is attached to it. So mm-hmm. I think it's important that we understand, you know, there's a difference. You know, everybody wants to be like Mike, but now everybody wants to be like LeBron or, or KD. But mm-hmm. if you have, and I'm just giving you this, this metaphor, if you have not been in the gym shooting free throws, if you have not been out there making those shots, if you have not watched yourself miss those shots, you know, you're going to jump into the game, miss your three-pointer at the final buzzer and be out of money and be mad at somebody. So, so what you saying, Mike Tyson finna get knocked out by Buster Douglas because he didn't know? I'm just saying that make sure you do your research before you start jumping into this. Because AD said something, you know, I'd like to, you know, what about somebody like, you know, someone that's sitting out there that's, you know, I'm not looking for this long term mutual fund or total return fund or something, but I'm just trying to get some cash. You know, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. It sounds mm-hmm. great. But if you jump in this with that type of mentality, I would encourage you to just go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> because there are ebbs and flows with everything. 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 I have gained. I have lost. Right. I have cried. Right. I, you know, right. but right. over time, you right. know, I'm not where I today. I'm not where I was 20 years ago. Right. But there have been a lot of crashes in between. Definitely. You know, Definitely. and I think that's the stuff that we have to emphasize. You have to do your research and, and don't don't come and don't listen to one talk track and become an expert. Right. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Well, that's um, absolutely important. One of the most important things of the CF Institute is really, again, understanding your investor and making right. sure you uh, explain the importance of diversification. Yes. I if, if you want to make a quick buck, I'm not your guy. That right. is not how I work. <laughs> right. right. That's what I wanted to hear you say, brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, um, do your research. 
uh, know what you're getting into. I just I wanted him to mention some of them um, because then you can understand some of the sectors. You know, there are the income driven stocks where you can earn dividends. But you like like he mentioned, you know, do your research, um, look them up. If you have an opportunity, you know, connect with a uh, specialist, an investment yeah. specialist. Um, a lot of a lot of them were happy to talk to you because they want you to invest with their their company. So they'll talk to you about making the smart moves. And this is what happens. You know, they they give recommendations because no one knows. So they give you recommendations based on their research. Um, and like like we mentioned in the beginning, you know, about knowing your time, what's your risk tolerance um, and what are your goals? You know, what are you trying to create? What are you trying to get to? Um, right. Uh, understand the risk and reconcile yeah. that. Right. That mentally. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. you know, you don't want to invest um, what you can't afford to lose. You don't want to invest what you can't afford to lose. Um, so so make sure you're getting in with the proper mindset. You know, if you if you get five hundred thousand, you don't put it all in knowing that you need most of that money. And like he and he broke down the percentages, which was great. You know what to put in you know, for long term, short term and, you know, getting into real estate in order to get proper returns so you can make sure you're not hurting your principal. And and if if, if we can talk about the word of the day, protect your principal <laughs> is, is the main thing, because you yeah. want to stay at five and you want to grow from there. So if you get to a million, um, it doesn't hurt if you drop back down to seven, you know, because you didn't hurt your principal. You still got your five. You just lost your interest in what you grow. Um, let's see, Stacy Goodson asks, what type of personal account would you recommend for someone who don't want to gamble with their money, but wants to let it sit and accrue interest outside of 401k? Well, when you're describing accrued interest, the least risky ways of leaving it in the bank. Right. That's right. Kind of money Even in the 401k or savings account. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you're talking about investing, which I think is really what I think you mean. Yeah. You can open a Charles Schwab account. You can open an account with Fidelity. And again, I would most heavily advise you to talk to a financial advisor to help you think through what your goals are and what you're trying to do to diversify that portfolio to achieve your investment goals. I mean, all this stuff. One of the problems with uh, the democratization of investing with, you know, this Robin Hood stuff is that it's given investors the power to take a lot more risk that's disproportionate to their understanding of the risk taken. And it leads to a lot of the sort of carnage we saw in the marketplace. For all those folks that made all that money with GameStop and um, AMC networks, there's a ton of folks that lost money. You just don't hear from them. You hear about the guys that made money. And so it's important to really understand who are the investors. So I would propose just make sure you, you know, any of those platforms are great places to do it, um, even E-Trade, but make sure you get some financial help if you're new to this. Because again, you could put yourself in a position where you're investing far more or taking far more risk than you're really comfortable taking. I think that that's, that's the, that's the trick here. It's not a gambling. This is not about gambling. It's about long-term appreciation in the market. Right. right, to, right. To, to suit your consumption needs in the future. It's like you're paying yourself today to help yourself tomorrow live more comfortable. Think about mm-hmm. it that way. So, right. so, so it's fair to say, like, I'm, I'm going to use, I'm going to use the words of my mama and, and you let me know if it's a fair assessment. Um, you never loan money to people and and think that you're going to get it back. Yeah. My mom used to say, if you loan somebody money, expect to never see it again. Is, is that a fair assessment of the investment market? No. I mean, investors don't think like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> when, I, when I buy the shares of a company, 
Right. Um, I and I'm talking to the manager team and the CEO and CFO. I'm pressing them on how they're going to generate the value in that company to generate the return. So I make okay. more money. I want to see that stock price appreciate. I want to see those dividends and free cash flows accrue to the investors. Um, so if I'm gonna if I if I'm gonna do if, if you're gonna tell me that you can't generate my money, then I'm gonna go someplace where I think I can. So that's kind of how the market works. Mm. Okay. Nice. All right. How, remember, how, there's how, a difference how, between a loan and an investment. True. True. How, how do how do you maneuver through 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 that piece though? The pitch versus reality. Is it literally? Let me just look at the history of this stock or this fund and see what is done throughout the years. Or, I mean, because a charismatic person can pitch you the perfect risk mm-hmm. versus reward and make it sound better than it actually is. So how much is the person versus the person pitching you the investment versus the research of the fund or the stock? Wait, before you answer that, before you answer that, we'll be right back tonight. We got uh, Sisters of Legacy and uh, let me go first. First, we got uh, Solomon's Temple Christian Ministry with that brother right there, Pastor Brian McCory, coming up, as well as we have Sisters of Legacy. Derek's going to drop a bomb on you. We'll be right back. that I'm going to to um, see about investments or to engage in investment, they give me this great pitch about how much their stock or their what they offer or what I could possibly mm-hmm. receive. And, and my study has shown that over the last five years, um, the it's gone from five to 10 percent as far as return on the investment. But he's selling me. Um, we we're we're at a place where we think we can get you up to fifty percent of this the same investment that you saw five to ten percent as the historical flow of the the stock. How how do I reconcile that? Is is that gonna be a thing that I can look at and say, okay, am I feeling adventurous, or is that something that maybe this is a trust issue between or? I mean, because I know some t- the business is always happening and and they're always making moves. So is that an indicator that they're possibly um, doing some new business that can yield greater value? Or is that just a great salesperson? 
you got to be very careful um, in this industry with that. I mean, you have to have a very discerning eye. So um, one of the things you have, you should be with your financial advisors extremely honest if you're not comfortable with something. Um, I, I would urge you to do this. If he's pitching you a stock and he's overly optimistic, have a pessimistic eye. Go and do some work um, and take a look at the stock on your own. Ask a friend. Ask a friend's friend. Go to another financial advisor of a friend and ask them their thoughts too. If someone's being overly enthusiastic, what they should be doing is pitching both the good, the bad, the pros, the cons as to why this could make sense and allowing you to make a choice risk for more basis as to whether that stock makes sense or that investment makes sense. So always have a skeptical eye. But if someone, for me, if someone's over enthusiastic, there's a flag that goes up for me. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions and do some comparative analysis to some other people to make sure that I believe the story. One other thing that I think will arm you with making sure you're operating with people who operate with level of integrity and veracity, I would say um, this is thing on FINRA. FINRA is the, monitor, is the uh, regulator for a lot of the broker dealers. It's this thing called broker check. So whenever you have a financial advisor, you, type, you go to broker check, type in it, it's one word, broker check. Type in the name of the financial advisor, you'll get a whole record of disclosures of that advisor. And you'll know he's been sued before for recommendations. You'll know his whole track record. That thing gives you, arms you with some tools so that you know who you're dealing with at all times. So like you could go look on my broker check in my name and you find my name with all the disclosures. I have zero disclosures, by the way. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you get information. And so it's a heavily regulated industry. But again, you want to make sure that one, your advisor doesn't have a track record of you know, stuff where he's been involved in the issues with his clients and they've sued him. But number two, if he's, you want to double check. And I think that is going to other people and asking questions and making sure. And if you're not comfortable with it, just tell them, look, man, I love what you're saying, but that sounds a little too much, too, too, too rosy for me. Give me the other scenario. If you can't give it, get it from somebody else. But that's how I would handle it. So the, uh, so the saying is true. If it, it's, if it sounds too good to be true, then I feel it. I mean, it definitely is not. <laughs> I mean, there are times when they might be right, but sometimes overenthusiasm is a negative sign for me. I mean, if I, if I like, for example, um, someone talked to me about, you probably heard about these SPACs, right? The special purpose acquisition vehicles, basically blank companies and all the IPOs, IPOs that have gone on in the marketplace. Right. So I don't really believe in the industry. I think it's overly saturated. And so someone was pitching to an idea of me buying out of the money puts. And that's a whole big explanation, but basically you make money on something going down, but you can right. sell the rights to that. I can buy those other money puts on it, they can bet against the market and allow it to collapse. It sounds like a great idea until you realize how you play the idea may not work out. He was talking about doing it against ETFs. And ETFs typically don't buy the lowest quality of uh, stocks to put in. They buy the highest quality. So you're betting against something that's got the higher quality. So on paper, the bet sounds good, but in reality, that bet may not work out. Because mm. they have in that portfolio are actually the quality ones, but there's all the low quality ones. So you understand what I mean? It, the idea sounded great to me. But when I dug a little bit, I was like, mm, I don't know if I like that idea. <laughs> all so, right. Sounds like Le- LeBron playing a one on one game with Chris Paul. That's what it sounded like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll let ask the question. He said, In your experience, uh, do you see a lot of our community investing? If not, why do you think that is? I think um, because of the nature of how uh, we have been, um, we have kind of lived from check to check, um, you know, a lot of struggles, there's not a lot of disposable income. Um, I think as you've seen African-Americans particularly accumulate more wealth, 
they've been able to invest more in the market, but we still have a long way to go to get there. Uh, you know, think about the number of single parent households we have and how many of those households, you know, are struggling now with COVID. So you've got a single parent household, most likely headed by, you know, a woman. And because now she can't work because of COVID, you know, right. she doesn't have disposable income. She's relying upon some of the money for from the stimulus that kind of puts a crimp on your ability to invest. And in the same vein, think about men. You know, you you might be in a situation where, you know, you, you just don't have the disposable income. And I think that is changing. And I think that's been the crimp on our community. Um, the other thing, home ownership, passing down wealth. Wealth actually happens one day at a time and one generation at a time. Families in other ethnic groups have a history of putting money aside, you know, owning homes, having estates, and passing that wealth to the next generation. And that generation uses that wealth to invest in the market. African-Americans, we are still kind of working on doing that. We're getting better at it, but we're not where we need to be. So I think that's part of the reason. And I think it's changing. I mean, I think, you know, with better education and obviously improvement in, you know, people's economic sort of well-being and, and, and you know, income, you'll see that gap close. But I think that's the issue we're fighting as to why you see a difference in our communities. Um, so Dolores uh, asked a question, um, and I'm going to kind of throw something in there first, and then Derek's going to kind of clean it up. He said, she said, I don't trust banks. I've had lots of money lost. My 401k during the two crashes, I saved 11000 a day. It's hidden in my home. I want to invest. So learning something here today. So what I will say, not sure why you don't trust banks. Um, I mean, they haven't really failed us in the sense where we lost all our money. Um, but during like 401k, I remember like 2006, like I've been investing, you know, at my job. And and there's a there's a hurt, but there's a beauty in crashing while you're still working and investing. Because, you know, when the crash happens, of course, you lost what you put in but you're still putting in. So now you're buying lower and you're, you're accruing. And if you, if you watch the market has rebounded so that money that I was putting in while it was low has now rebounded back up. So you have an opportunity, there's opportunities while you're still investing. So there's going to be ups and down ebbs and flows. Yes. A crash hurts, but what you do honestly, like talk to investor, but you know, putting more in is probably a good idea at the time. If it's coming, if it's going back up, but like I said, investors, you got to get, with professionals for that but like there's a loss there's always ups and downs but during the losses if you're still putting into your 401k you have an opportunity to rebound um Mm -hmm. saving in a home eh i think you need to put it somewhere so at least it's accruing some level of interest and not just sitting because we know the dollar devalued so at least you have an opportunity for that money to be earning something back um all right Derek, jump on in there yeah, Dolores, I, I really want to sort of reiterate a couple of things. I think, Anthony, you talked about the dollar devouring. What you're talking about is your biggest enemy is inflation. Yes, there you go. You want to have something that sort of beats the inflation rate. Now, I understand the skepticism towards banks um, because of what you see in the news and things like that. But there's one thing that protects you that everybody has, and that's called FDIC insurance. Yes, indeed. So as long as you have under, and I believe the limit it was once 100000 for the crisis, it might actually be now 250000 Right. Exactly. Right. And so- you're protected um, with your principal amount of money you've invested in the bank, via regulatory. And the regulators are very strict on the bank. They will shut a bank down in a minute if you violate the regulatory capital rules. So I would say don't worry so much about that. Invest in a bank. What I mean worry about is, is the bank going to be my best friend when I need them? So if I, are they going to give me the loan? 
Are they going to be fair? Are they going to underwrite me fairly? Are they going to be able to service me? Um, and so make sure you're selective about banks like that. You know? I would not worry so much about the, the risk of loss. This is not the Great Depression before they had the FDIC insurance where you had to stash your money in the, in the, in the, in the mattress because there wasn't that protection. I think you're far more protected now than you'll ever be. Um, I think the bank is the, one of the most well-capitalized systems in the, in the world, our banking system. Um, um, in terms of your 401k, I, everything that Anthony said, I totally agree with. Um, your 401k is a long-term investment vehicle. You know, ups and downs in the marketplace, but you're investing that money. What you're doing is called dollar cost averaging and buying at a cheaper price and buying and diversifying across your portfolio at a cheaper price. Right. And at a price that's well below the marketplace, you're embedding a higher return in the future. Yeah. And that's going to hopefully compound and generate that return. So it's important to, to maintain that exposure. Do not do anything like go to cash and, or sell out your 401k unless you absolutely need the cash in a very emergency situation right but i would trust the banking system and please do not just have the cash sitting at home right it's on fire that, that 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 cash goes up in smoke return for you in the right. banking system or in some other vehicle if you have the disposable income to do that right nice um so to and and i i know the our community and investing and derek made it plain about us being more get more knowledgeable about investing and, and generational wealth so that our next generation will have something more to invest and things of that nature. The one thing I do want to say, you know, investing is not a lottery. It's, it, it's not, you know, you scratch a ticket, hope for the best or lose all your money. You know, <clears throat> it's a long-term thing, you know, and if any stock begins to drop, most times it rebounds unless you, you know, dealing with a, a high risk company, a new company, you know, an IPO or something like that. But most companies have been around, you know, generally you don't just lose your money like that, you know, and like you said, you know, get a financial advisor that gives you the best way to invest, you know, ETAs, um, mutual funds and things of that nature who diversify across different companies. Even if it's high risk, they diversify across a lot of high risk companies, you know, so if one drops off, you still got the others that are surviving and you still make something back. Um, and like we mentioned, ebbs and flows, there's going to be drops. There's going to be rises in the market. You know, of course, you want to buy low, sell high and all that. <laughs> a lot of times emotionally, we we buy high and sell low <laughs> because it drops and we get scared. Um, so you just, you know, invest what you can what you're comfortable with investing, what you're comfortable with that. If if you can walk away with anything, invest what you're comfortable with and 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 grow your principal. You don't want to lose your principal and you want to invest what you're comfortable with. Um and Dwayne, did you want to add something? Just had a quick one more question to say, yeah. is it fair to say um, for, for Mr. Coffee? So as I look back from the time that I was a kid to right now, um, I can name several new companies and several old companies that used to exist that don't exist anymore. So is it, is it safe to say just a general look over your life it gives you an idea of how the stock market and funds and these investments can work out. As a child, I remember a Jones discount store. Some of you guys may have never heard of Jones mm -hmm. discount, but Jones doesn't exist anymore. Family dollar still does, but it gives you an idea that, Hey, this investment over here didn't really pan out for the long term, but this investment is still going. Some of you guys might remember Refco um, pharmacy. 
some of you may have never heard of it. Some of you may know Rite Aid and, and Walgreens, but those are same things. Those are investments at one point in time that may have done very well. But as the market changed and as needs change and as our community changed, we see these things changes. So I, I, I want to the thing that I want um, to to emphasize is in everything in life. And this is no different. One, you got to have a base not baseline knowledge of what it is you're getting into. And then you got to check um, patterns and trends so you can have some type of predictive analysis on future trends when it comes to this thing. And then third, you always want to do your research because you, you'll see that, like for me personally, I was a soldier and I was around a bunch of government contractors all the time. So when I saw the Mantex, the Raytheons and the General mm -hmm. Dynamics, I what I noticed was every single time we were about to go to war, they would hire a whole new crop of employees because they just got money. And then I noticed that when that happened, that the, the stocks would go up for those right. companies. And then when we started to draw down from war, I, I noticed that the stock and the employee numbers will start to dwindle as well. Right. So you, some of you in your industries, you, you know how your industry works, whatever that is, whether that's the medical field, whether that's um, production, trucking, um, government contracts, pay attention to those things because you know more than you know, you just don't know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Oh, it said uh Macquarie's five and time don't exist anymore. Oh, that's your it said Macquarie's five and time don't exist anymore either. McCor oh, I guess that was a story too. Macquarie's five. She probably meant five and dime because five and store, all right. There was a store right. in my hometown that was Hagman's nickel and dime. Right. And, and everything <laughs> in the store was pretty cheap. <laughs> oh, so would you would you say that I, I know I've heard the, the adage, you know, invest in what you purchase, you know, what you what you're into and what you buy and what you know. Um, I've also heard um, I had the, the same, but I'm going to let it slide. We'll come back to it. Um, so any any closing thoughts on investing, you know, one one gym that you can, can let us know that <clears throat> we we don't pay attention to when it comes to investing other than. Um, having a professional help us? Um, I, I'd say this. Um, most people are typically have a local bias or, or domestic bias in investing. So they don't invest in, they always invest in companies that they in companies that they're aware of. Right. But actually, diversification is about also getting exposure to things that you may not be aware of fully. Right. Right. Get that exposure. And then that, 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 that's not just within industries, it's also outside the United States. And so I think there are plenty of that I think investors are not paying attention to outside the United States. I'm going to just give you a couple of thoughts about why I think that's a place to think about. All right. The COVID issue in the United States, which I think is pretty much under wraps with the inoculation rate going up and people are getting more confidence about the things returning to some level of normalcy. You just heard the news, the difficulty you see in India or the challenges that are happening in Europe. And so those economies are going to take a lot longer to recover. And those stocks are very heavily depressed and reflect the market's pessimism. But it creates an opportunity if you think about mm. the market and that where you can invest, where that growth will be robust and strong. They will recover. And it's nice to own that recovery early and benefit from it. Last point, international stocks tend to pay much higher dividend yields than the, than the U.S. domestic companies. And so 
get that too. You get the appreciation and a dividend yield. Investing right. globally is a very important thing to think about, especially in a period where the market is down. Just a thought. Nice. I can, can I ask a quick question, Eddie? I, I know, we, I know, because he just, he just threw something that I understand, but I didn't understand. Okay, I understand, like internationally, there there are countries and economies, even when everything points to them buckling and falling and bankrupting and whatever the case may be in the country and financial turmoil, turmoil. But when it's somebody who the United States has a relationship with, the United States doesn't like to see those other economies fall because that burden falls on us and it makes the entire international community harder to to function. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of places when you say the Indias of the world and the Pakistans or the Iraqs, some some of the places we don't give as much credit um, as our government does. the government doesn't let a lot of places fall. So when you so when you just said that there's high payoff in these areas because they need the money, obviously, but they're going to recover. Yeah, they're down now. Um, it's it's an opportunity to, to make a lot of money for, for those people who I won't say quick. But if you want to be confident that, hey, you might be able to get this. Just look at the history of countries that we've gone to war with. I mean, mm-hmm. decimated billions of dollars worth of damage after our military and their their military and militias get through with the residential areas, the infrastructure, the road system. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about complete devastation. Right. And then after the wars and after the drawdowns, we spend a lot of money and we pay a lot of soldiers to go back and fix the stuff that we broke. Right. Right. And that's just in the war situation. So just from what I've seen in my short life from being in the military, um, countries and international places, even though we defeat them and we're at war with them, we still don't, we still can't afford for their economies to fall. So it's almost, I, I'm not, I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not giving advice. I'm just telling you from the Intel analysis side of my life and digging into countries infrastructure that the United States don't like to see those countries fail as an economy even right. after we send them back to the stone ages for a little while. So right. there is some safety just based on history there. So thank you for that perspective, because now you're giving me ideas of things that I'm confident on um, as far as history goes when it comes to investing. Right. No, you're absolutely right. In Germany and Japan are the prime examples of two stories. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely right. I love it. Nice. All right, guys. So we appreciate you guys rocking with us. We appreciate you, Derek, for coming in and dropping some gems on us and educating us and making us more aware about investing. As always, like I like to tell everybody, this will not be the last time you see this, brother. <laughs> so, <laughs> so keep watching. Keep watching. Um, what's the and and your your um, investment company doesn't do personal. They do um, institutional investing. Um, what's the name of the your, your group? Or your so, company? So it's, it's Channing Capital Management. Channings? Channing, C-H-A-N-N-I-N-G, Capital. And, you know, we are based out of Chicago. We don't have any retail products right now. But, you know, stay tuned. There might be something that you might see. But I can't talk about it too much. Right. I got you. Put it out there for you. And, you know, obviously, it would be a product, if we're going to do it, with a cheap 
part of your objective in your portfolio. But again, diversification is important to look at other things too. But um, you know, we uh we we we're out here, we're investing, and we're doing a good job with our clients, and we're hoping to sort of continue to grow our assets. Indeed. And you said um, you guys are gonna. Uh, have an ETF or a mutual fund starting soon or so, at some point. Period. So one of those vehicles you mentioned are likely to be vehicles that you'd be able to purchase. I can't say exactly what I got you. It's cool. <laughs> I know I know you can't reveal too much. All right. And we and, and just so you know if you missed out, it is they are a black owned company and he is one of the partners. Um so I'm excited about that. Um so definitely I'm gonna let you guys know when that drops and he's gonna send that info and you have an opportunity to invest. And of course do the research. You know, don't just take because my brother, my brother's brother. Um, <laughs> but I just I am going to give a shout out for him. Um, so so definitely do so. All right. So we appreciate you guys rocking with us. As always, we're going to have a great show tomorrow. Same time, same channel. Um, we're changing up the program. One of my brothers, he can't make it. So we're going to do something different. So make sure you tune in. And if you're not part of the community, text LWN to 84576. That's LWN to 84576. That's Legacy Walker Network. So be a part of that. Um, And we look forward to seeing you guys in the AM, same place, same time. And make sure you tag somebody, tag somebody and share this program (laughs) because we are changing the world one conversation at a time. Um, And that is it. All right. So always know that we love you, but God loves you more. Be safe. Be safe. Continue to wear the mask because you know it's still out there. Stop playing. All right. And take care. I didn't want to catch that morning. Good morning. Welcome to another Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This episode is brought to you by StreamYard. Whether you're trying to up your production or just go live, StreamYard is the place to be. Go to bit.ly forward slash StreamYard B-O-L. This episode is also brought to you by Flocknote. Start your free text community now at bit.ly free text now. That's bit.ly.